Good evening. I'm Adrian Sala, and you're listening to Wikisleep. Tonight is part three of an ongoing nightly Wikisleep series in which I'm reading The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. Every day, I'll release a new section, each one about 30 minutes long, until the book is completed. Think of each episode as something akin to reading at night before bed. Smaller, bite-sized audiobook sections designed to lull you into dreamland. Now, I know ads aren't the best for this experience, so if you'd like to avoid them, I suggest downloading the Wikisleep app. You get a lengthy free trial to test it out, and then, if you're enjoying the experience, it's only about a buck fifty a week. It's a small investment that can lead to better sleep, better mental health, and a sense of calm. Anyhow, for tonight, I hope you enjoy part three of The Metamorphosis. In part two, Gregor Sansa's family has had to accept the fact that their son has now transformed into something unrecognizable. A larger-than-life insect who inhabits Gregor's room. In part three, the family has settled into something of a routine, with his younger sister becoming his caretaker. Gregor, too, has started to accept his position, yet he yearns to return to being the provider for his family, even as he learns that his father may not have been as destitute as he seemed. It was not until it was getting dark that evening that Gregor awoke from his deep and coma-like sleep. He would have woken soon afterward anyway, even if he hadn't been disturbed, as he had had enough sleep and felt fully rested. But he had the impression that some hurried steps and the sound of the door leading into the front room being carefully shut had woken him. The light from the electric street lamps shone palely here and there onto the ceiling and tops of the furniture. But down below, where Gregor was, it was dark. He pushed himself over to the door, feeling his way clumsily with his antenna of which he was now beginning to learn the value, in order to see what had been happening there. The whole of his left side seemed like one painfully stretched scar, and he limped badly on his two rows of legs. 
One of the legs had been badly injured in the events of that morning. It was a miracle that only one of them had been, and dragged along lifelessly. It was only when he had reached the door that he realized what it actually was that had drawn him over to it. It was the smell of something to eat. By the door, there was a dish filled with sweetened milk with little pieces of white bread floating in it. He was so pleased he almost laughed, as he was even hungrier than he had been that morning, and immediately dipped his head into the milk, nearly covering his eyes with it. But he soon drew his head back again in disappointment. Not only did the pain in his tender left side make it difficult to eat the food, he was only able to eat if his whole body worked together as a snuffling hole. But the milk did not taste at all nice. Milk like this was normally his favorite drink, and his sister had certainly left it there for him because of that. But he turned almost against his own will, away from the dish and crawled back into the center of the room. Through the crack in the door, Gregor could see that the gas had been lit in the living room. His father at this time would normally be sat with his evening paper, reading it in a loud voice to Gregor's mother and sometimes to his sister. But there was now not a sound to be heard. Gregor's sister would often write and tell him about this reading, but maybe his father had lost the habit in recent times. It was so quiet all around, too, even though there must have been somebody in the flat. What a quiet life it is the family leads, said Gregor to himself, and gazing into the darkness, felt a great pride that he was able to provide a life like that in such a nice home for his sister and parents. But what now, if all this peace and wealth and comfort should come to a horrible and frightening end? That was something that Gregor did not want to think about too much, so he started to move about, crawling up and down the room. Once, during that long evening, the door on one side of the room was opened very slightly and hurriedly closed again. Later on, the door on the other side did the same. It seemed that somebody needed to enter the room but thought better of it. Gregor went and waited immediately by the door resolved either to bring the timorous visitor into the room in some way, or at least to find out who it was. But the door was opened no more that night, and Gregor waited in vain. The previous morning, while the doors were locked, everyone had wanted to get in there to him, but now, 
Now that he had opened up one of the doors, and the other had clearly been unlocked some time during the day, no one came, and the keys were in the other sides. It was not until late at night that the gaslight in the living room was put out, and now it was easy to see that his parents and sister had stayed awake all that time as they all could be distinctly heard as they went away together on tiptoe. It was clear that no one would come into Gregor's room anymore until morning. That gave him plenty of time to think, undisturbed about how he would have to rearrange his life. For some reason, the tall, empty room where he was forced to remain made him feel uneasy as he lay there flat on the floor, even though he had been living in it for five years. Hardly aware of what he was doing, other than a slight feeling of shame, he hurried under the couch. It pressed down on his back a little, and he was no longer able to lift his head but he nonetheless felt immediately at ease, and his only regret was that his body was too broad to get it all underneath. He spent the whole night there. Some of the time he passed in a light sleep, although he frequently woke from it in alarm because of his hunger, and some of the time was spent in worries and vague hopes which, however, always led to the same conclusion. For the time being, he must remain calm. He must show patience and the greatest consideration so that his family could bear the unpleasantness that he, in his present condition, was forced to impose on them. Gregor soon had the opportunity to test the strength of his decisions. As early the next morning, almost before the night had ended, his sister, nearly fully dressed, opened the door from the front room and looked anxiously in. She did not see him straight away, but when she did notice him under the couch, he had to be somewhere for God's sake. He couldn't have just flown away. She was so shocked that she lost control of herself and slammed the door shut again from outside. But she seemed to regret her behavior as she opened the door again straight away and came in on tiptoe, as if entering the room of someone seriously ill or even of a stranger. Gregor had pushed his head forward right to the edge of the couch and watched her. Would she notice that he had left the milk as it was, realize that it was not from any lack of hunger and bring him in some other food that was more suitable? If she didn't do it herself, he would rather go hungry than draw her attention to it, although he did feel a terrible urge to rush forward from under the couch throw himself at his sister's feet and beg her for something good to eat. 
However, his sister noticed the full dish immediately and looked at it, and the few drops of milk splashed around with some surprise. She immediately picked it up, using a rag, not her bare hands, and carried it out. Gregor was extremely curious as to what she would bring in its place, imagining the wildest possibilities, but he could never have guessed what his sister, in her goodness, actually did bring. In order to test his taste, she brought him a whole selection of things, all spread out on an old newspaper. There were old, half-rotten vegetables, bones from the evening meal covered in white sauce that had gone hard, a few raisins and almonds, some cheese that Gregor had declared inedible two days before, a dry roll and some bread spread with butter and salt. As well as all that, she had poured some water into the dish, which had probably been permanently set aside for Gregor's use, and placed it beside them. Then, out of consideration for Gregor's feelings, as she knew that he would not eat in front of her, she hurried out again and even turned the key in the lock so that Gregor would know he could make things as comfortable for himself as he liked. Gregor's little legs whirred. At last he could eat. What's more, his injuries must already have completely healed as he found no difficulty in moving. This amazed him. As more than a month earlier, he had cut his finger slightly with a knife. He thought of how his finger had still hurt the day before yesterday. Am I less sensitive than I used to be then, he thought, and was already sucking greedily at the cheese which had, immediately, almost compellingly, attracted him much more than the other foods on the newspaper. Quickly, one after another, his eyes watering with pleasure, he consumed the cheese, the vegetables, and the sauce. The fresh foods, on the other hand, he didn't like at all, and even dragged the little things he did want to eat a little away from them because he couldn't stand the smell. Long after he had finished eating and lay lethargic in the same place, his sister slowly turned the key in the lock as a sign to him that he should withdraw. He was immediately startled although he had been half asleep, and he hurried back under the couch. But he needed great self-control to stay there, even for the short time that his sister was in the room, as eating so much food had rounded out his body a little, and he could hardly breathe in that narrow space. Half suffocating, he watched with bulging eyes as his sister unselfconsciously took a broom and swept up the leftovers, mixing them in with the food he had not even touched at all, as if it could not be used anymore. She quickly dropped it all into a bin, closed it with its wooden lid, and carried everything out. 
She had hardly turned her back before Gregor came out again from under the couch and stretched himself out. This was how Gregor received his food each day now, once in the morning while his parents and the maid were still asleep, and the second time after everyone had eaten their meal at midday as his parents would sleep for a little while then as well and Gregor's sister would send the maid away on some errand. Gregor's father and mother certainly did not want him to starve either, but perhaps it would have been more than they could stand to have any more experience of his feeding than being told about it. And perhaps his sister wanted to spare them what distress she could, as they were indeed suffering enough. It was impossible for Gregor to find out what they had told the doctor and the locksmith that first morning to get them out of the flat. As nobody could understand him, nobody, not even his sister, thought that he could understand them. So he had to be content to hear his sister's sighs and appeals to the saints as she moved about his room. It was only later... When she had become a little more used to everything, there was, of course, no question of her ever becoming fully used to the situation. That Gregor would sometimes catch a friendly comment, or at least a comment that could be construed as friendly. He's enjoyed his dinner today, she might say, when he had diligently cleared away all the food left for him. Or if he left most of it, which slowly became more and more frequent, she would often say, sadly, now everything's just been left there again. Although Gregor wasn't able to hear any news directly, he did listen to much of what was said in the next rooms, and whenever he heard anyone speaking, he would scurry straight to the appropriate door and press his whole body against it. There was seldom any conversation, especially at first that was not about him in some way, even if only in secret. For two whole days, all the talk at every mealtime was about what they should do now, but even between meals they spoke about the same subject, as there was always at least two members of the family at home. Nobody wanted to be at home by themselves, and it was out of the question to leave the flat entirely empty. And on the very first day, the maid had fallen to her knees and begged Gregor's mother to let her go without delay. It was not very clear how much she knew of what had happened, but she left within a quarter of an hour, tearfully thanking Gregor's mother for her dismissal, as if she had done her an enormous service. She even swore emphatically not to tell anyone the slightest about what had happened, even though no one had asked that of her. Now, Gregor's sister also had to help his mother with the cooking, although that was not so much bother as no one ate very much. Gregor often heard how one of them would unsuccessfully urge another to eat, and received no more answer then, 
No thanks, I've had enough. Or something similar. No one drank very much either. His sister would sometimes ask his father whether he would like a beer, hoping for the chance to go and fetch it herself. When his father then said nothing, she would add, so that he would not feel selfish, that she could send the housekeeper for it. But then his father would close the matter with a big, loud no, and no more would be said. Even before the first day had come to an end, his father had explained to Gregor's mother and sister what their finances and prospects were. Now and then, he stood up from the table and took some receipt or document from the little cash box he had saved from his business when it had collapsed five years earlier. Gregor heard how he opened the complicated lock and then closed it again after he had taken the item he wanted. What he heard his father say was some of the first good news that Gregor had heard since he had first been incarcerated in his room. He had thought that nothing at all remained of his father's business. At least, he had never told him anything different. And Gregor had never asked him about it anyway. Their business misfortune had reduced the family to a state of total despair, and Gregor's only concern at that time had been to arrange things so that they could all forget about it as quickly as possible. So then, he started working especially hard, with a fiery vigor that raised him from a junior salesman to a traveling representative almost overnight, bringing with it the chance to earn money in quite different ways. Gregor converted his success at work straight into cash that he could lay on the table at home for the benefit of his astonished and delighted family. They had been good times, and they had never come again, at least not with the same splendor even though Gregor had later earned so much that he was in a position to bear the costs of the whole family and did bear them. They had even got used to it, both Gregor and the family. They took the money with gratitude, and he was glad to provide, although there was no longer much warm affection given in return. Gregor only remained close to his sister now. Unlike him, she was very fond of music and a gifted and expressive violinist. It was his secret plan to send her to the conservatory next year, even though it would cause great expense that would have to be made up for in some other way. During Gregor's short periods in town, conversation with his sister would often turn to the conservatory, but it was only ever mentioned as a lovely dream that could never be realized. Their parents did not like to hear this innocent talk, but 
But Gregor thought about it quite hard and decided he would let them know what he planned with a grand announcement of it on Christmas Day. That was the sort of totally pointless thing that went through his mind in his present state, pressed upright against the door and listening. There were times when he simply became too tired to continue listening, when his head would fall wearily against the door and he would pull it up again with a start, as even the slightest noise he caused would be heard next door and they would all go silent. What's he doing now, his father would say after a while, clearly having gone over to the door, and only then would the interrupted conversation slowly be taken up again. When explaining things, his father repeated himself several times, partly because it was a long time since he had been occupied with these matters himself and partly because Gregor's mother did not understand everything the first time. From these repeated explanations, Gregor learned, to his pleasure, that despite all their misfortunes, there was still some money available from the old days. It was not a lot, but it had not been touched in the meantime, and some interest had accumulated. Besides that, they had not been using up all the money that Gregor had been bringing home every month, keeping only a little for himself so that that too had been accumulating. Behind the door, Gregor nodded with enthusiasm and his pleasure at this unexpected thrift and caution. He could actually have used this surplus money to reduce his father's debt to his boss. And the day when he could have freed himself from that job would have come much closer. But now, it was certainly better the way his father had done things. This money, however, was certainly not enough to enable the family to live off the interest. It was enough to maintain them for, perhaps, one or two years, no more. That's to say, it was money that should not really be touched, but set aside for emergencies. Money to live on had to be earned. His father was healthy but old, and lacking in self-confidence. During the five years that he had not been working, the first holiday in a life that had been full of strain and no success, he had put on a lot of weight and become very slow and clumsy. Would Gregor's elderly mother now have to go and earn money? She suffered from asthma, and it was a strain for her just to move about the home. Every other day would be spent struggling for breath on the sofa by an open window. Would his sister have to go and earn money? She was still a child of 17. Her life up till then had been very enviable, consisting of wearing nice clothes, sleeping late, 
helping out in the business, joining in with a few modest pleasures, and most of all, playing the violin. Whenever they began to talk of the need to earn money, Gregor would always first let go of the door, and then throw himself onto the cool, leather sofa next to it, as he became quite hot with shame and regret. He would often lie there the whole night through, not sleeping a wink, but scratching at the leather for hours on end. Or he might go to all the effort of pushing a chair to the window, climbing up on the sill, and, propped up in the chair, leaning on the window to stare out of it. He had used to feel a great sense of freedom from doing this. But doing it now was obviously something more remembered than experienced, as what he actually saw in this way was becoming less distinct every day even things that were quite near. He had used to curse the ever-present view of the hospital across the street, but now he could not see it at all. And if he had not known that he lived in Charlottenstrasse, which was a quiet street despite being in the middle of the city, he could have thought that he was looking out the window at a barren waste where the grey sky and the grey earth mingled inseparably. His observant sister only needed to notice the chair twice before she would always push it back to its exact position by the window after she had tidied up the room and even left the inner pane of the window open from then on. If Gregor had only been able to speak to his sister and thank her for all that she had to do for him, it would have been easier for him to bear it. But as it was, it caused him pain. His sister, naturally, tried as far as possible to pretend there was nothing burdensome about it. And the longer it went on, of course, the better she was able to do so. But as time went by, Gregor was also able to see through it all so much better. It had even become very unpleasant to him now, whenever she entered the room. No sooner had she come in than she would quickly close the door as a precaution so that no one would have to suffer the view into Gregor's room. Then she would go straight to the window and pull it hurriedly open, almost as if she were suffocating. Even if it was cold, she would stay at the window breathing deeply for a while. She would alarm Gregor twice a day with this running about and noise making. He would stay under the couch, shivering the whole time, knowing full well that she would certainly have liked to spare him this ordeal, but it was impossible for her to be in the same room with him with the windows closed. 